Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, the Chorus Radio Network presents The Roy Green Show with Roy Green, keeping you informed and entertained. Now, here's Roy. I have a lot of things to share with you this hour. And they have to do with... um, It all started with the um, parole, day parole for Graham James. I found that absolutely reprehensible, disgusting, concerning, repeat sexual predator. And... um, you're going to hear my conversation with the Correctional Service Canada psychologist in a minute. I just want to say this. When, when, when Graham James, whose job it was to develop the playing skills of some of the most talented young players of our national game, on hundreds of occasions abused the privilege of coaching, abused the reputation of great and dedicated coaches, abused the trust of the players and their families, Graham James, who with intent attempted to destroy young lives for his depraved self-gratification. Graham James, who was imprisoned not once, but twice for his sexual assaults on young men entrusted to his hockey teaching abilities. That Graham James has again been released and granted day parole by the Parole Board of Canada. If or perhaps when Graham James strikes again, the justice system will not accept responsibility. No, the managers of the system of justice, which repeatedly releases multi-convicted child and youth sexual abusers, in many cases being warned of the person they're releasing is a significant risk to attack new victims. That system and its apologists will talk about managing the risk. That's what they talk about, managing the risk. They will chatter that Graham James was deemed to be risk manageable. If he's sent back to prison for reoffending. And does anyone in Canada consider Graham James to be anything but a predatory opportunist? Graham James will again be met by a system determined to release him once more. He will be facing psychologists and programs designed with one intent, and that is to again describe Graham James as a manageable risk. I had that Correctional Service Canada psychologist tell me on air, you must consider the underlying vulnerability of the offender, really. Not the victim whose life may have been shattered. No, you must consider the underlying vulnerability of the offender. Do I blame that psychologist? No. That's what he's supposed to say. That's what the system programs its representatives to suggest. That you're supposed to feel badly for the predator because of underlying vulnerability. How awful. So I'm going to play back for you the interview where the Correctional Service Canada psychologist I conducted now quite a, quite a while ago. But its content is relevant today because the philosophy of the organization has not changed. Neither have its objectives. Listen closely, please, to the interview 
I want you to think of the child and the youth victims of sexual predators. I want you to think of the answers to my questions. I want you to ask yourself, what is wrong with this picture? And then we're going to be joined by Sheldon Kennedy. And somewhere in this hour, I'm also going to share with you information about a program used to treat these sexual predators in Canada's prisons. Its title is Phallometric Assessment. The program includes hardcore child pornography being shown to convicted and incarcerated child sexual abusers. And I'll tell you why they do that. By the way, if you owned any of the images that the system shows to these child predators, you'd be in jail for a long time. Here's my conversation as it happened. It's now a few years ago, but the content remains viable with a representative of Correctional Service Canada. I don't blame this psychologist one bit for what he said. He's representing the system. It's the system that we need to challenge. Here's the interview with Dr. Ed Peacock. All right, Dr. Peacock, take us inside the treatment of pedophiles. What would you do? What would uh, treatment consist of? And and let me begin with this because it, it shocks Canadians when we hear that part of the treatment program may include showing them photographs of children in various stages of dress or undress, which they may find erotic, and you measure their sexual state of arousal. Okay, first, I guess, on that, on that issue, what we are interested in knowing is the extent to which um, these kinds of individuals are sexually aroused by, um, by children. To what extent... Uh, you know, do they have these kinds of fantasies? fantasies? To what extent uh, do they have a sexual preference for children? The kind of techniques that you mentioned uh, are used in order to try to determine the extent to which these individuals are, are sexually fixated or, or have a sexual preference for children. Individuals who have that kind of sexual preference are at increased risk over individuals who do not have that. So that is the uh, that is the technique that is used as one of uh, one of many techniques that are used in order to assess risk uh, of these kinds of offenders. What do you consider pedophilia to be? Is it a condition? Is it an illness? Is it a sexual orientation? Well, it's certainly a uh, a sexual preference. Um, it uh, it is a it is a preference to engage in uh, in sexual activity with children. Uh, and I think that the question is that, I guess, to some extent is not decided, is exactly how that develops. Uh, we tend to take a, a view that it's heavily influenced by, by the individual's learning. Many of these individuals have themselves been abused as children, abused physically, abused sexually, uh, raised in dysfunctional families, um, coping with trauma themselves as they grow up. And many of these behaviors seem to be learned uh, throughout childhood and early adolescence. Now, in a previous interview that we conducted at Workworth, when you and I sat across the table from one another, you said it was necessary to consider the underlying vulnerabilities of the offender. That was the quote. Mm-hmm. Is this what you're talking about? When, uh, when you talk about their, their youth, we have to consider the underlying vulnerabilities of the offender? Is that what you were talking about? Uh, I, my recollection isn't as good as yours, Roy. I can, I can play the tape back for you, if no. you like. It's about 40 seconds. No. That's not necessary. What, what, uh, what meaning there, I'm sure, is that 
there are conditions that seem to be set down in you know in childhood and early adolescence with it, with these men. Uh, the kinds of things that I just referred to create cracks, weaknesses, uh, vulnerabilities in them that um, that may get that under certain circumstances get played out later in uh, in adulthood. So yes, you know I think it's fair to say that in that context that that's what we're talking about vulnerabilities. Um, you know, not not all of them have as many. Uh, many obvious vulnerabilities in childhood, but certainly many of them uh, have had very dysfunctional and traumatic childhoods. Dr. Peacock, there's no cure for pedophilia, is there? As in, if we look at the dictionary definition of cure, there is no cure for pedophilia? That's correct. We're talking about uh, a behavior pattern here, and we don't talk about uh, cures for behavior patterns. How often would you see a pedophile return to prison? Well, I think that that's a, a difficult question to, to answer. Uh, the actual, the... Do you see it occasionally? It happens occasionally, yes, it does. The reoffense rate for pedophiles who've been treated is relatively low, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, you know, 7 to 15 percent uh, of those individuals who've been, uh, who've been treated uh, over, a, say, a, you know, a five-year period would end up committing another sexual reoffense. Are you saying that the recidivism rate as far as prison is concerned for pedophiles is 7 to 15 percent? Yes, I'm not sure what you're meaning in terms of... In- well, do 85 percent of, of pedophiles not return to prison? Within a specified time period of, say, a, you know, approximately, uh, you know, say approximately 5, 10 years, yes, that's correct. So quite a, ra- quite a wide range, 5 to 10 years. Correct. That's correct. Well, we have to ask ourselves whether it's because they're, they don't reoffend or because they're not caught. Right. That's correct. Um, now, you know, valid and, and, and important point. Uh, if you have between 7 and 15 percent reoffending between 5 and 10 years, and again, I put it to you, that's a very wide range of time. That's a considerable period of, of time that we're talking about. But if we have 7 to 15 percent reoffending within that time frame, then other Canadian children have been sexually victimized by individuals, Corrections Canada, with the treatment programs that you employ considered a manageable risk. Now, tell me, please, is it acceptable, is it manageable, uh, when you have a recidivism rate at all, when other Canadian children are being psychologically and physically sexually assaulted by individuals released by Corrections Canada? Is that acceptable to you as a physician? First, uh, first of all, um, first of all, I'm not a physician. I'm clarify that. I have a, a doctorate in psychology. Uh, secondly, is it acceptable to secondly, you issue, with your doctorate in psychology and as a human being? Secondly, the issue is that uh, you know, for many of these individuals who we just referred to, uh, they are out of the jurisdictions of Corrections Canada. Most of these individuals that um, are released. Uh, you know, have relatively short time periods of say two, three years, uh, under which they uh, they, you know, they fall under the jurisdiction of Corrections Canada. Okay, tell us about manageable risk. Well, in terms of manageable risk, we're we're uh, referring to is it uh, is it likely that an individual, while under the supervision of Corrections Canada, can uh, can function out in the community without reoffending. Uh, that's you know that's a manageable risk. 
the individual may, um, you know, the individual may uh, have some, you know, have some risk. But the the chances of them reoffending while they're in treatment in the community, while they're uh, being um, supervised by staff, community staff who know, uh, you know, know their preferences and are aware of their activities, uh, cannot be managed. So. If it can, that's considered to be an assumable risk. You said ideally. You said to me, when we started the preamble, you said ideally. Yes. We would not want to see... We would not want... Our goal is is to, uh, you know, to have these individuals uh, reintegrated into the community without any offending, without any re-offending. You said said ideally children should not be put at risk. Ideally. Don't you think we should replace that with practically? I agree that we should uh, we should you know we should do all possible to avoid any any reoffending. That's our goal. That's my goal, and I'm sure that's your goal. Were you involved in the treatment and/or release of Joseph Fredericks? Um, no, I wasn't. That was a huge failure. Mm-hmm. A tragic failure. Correct. Dr. Peacock, I sat in the studio with Christopher Stevenson's father. Mm-hmm. Have you sat with the parents? Of these pedophiles, victims, have you talked to the parents? Uh, no. Generally, no. Don't you think you should? It can be very valuable. It can be very valuable. Uh, I, uh, I agree. Uh, the, the harm that is caused is, is, simply, uh, is simply devastating. I, I understand that. Uh, it's, and I think it's really important that all of us who are in this business keep uh, keep a firm focus on that and be always aware of the uh, uh, of the damage that these individuals do. Would you say that I'm being unfair? And I'll, I'll leave you with this. I have said on the air, and I wish to say it to you, that if a child sexual offender is released and reoffends, and you've told us they do, not all of them, we don't know whether it's because they're not caught or because they're not reoffending, but some of them do, and you see them again. I have said that if they reoffend, and another child in this country is sexually victimized by these individuals, then Corrections Canada and the government of Canada is complicit in the assault on that child. What's wrong with what I just said? Well, I think it's it's rather extreme. Uh, what we, How so? What uh, we are attempting to do is is to manage the risk that these individuals make. This is not, um, you know, is not an exact science. We have some indication uh, of what the um, what the factors are that are associated with risk to reoffend. That risk varies uh, across individuals, and we make uh, estimates and uh, and you know of what that likelihood is. Um, we we are not uh, we're not. Um, and we're not purposely colluding with these individuals. We are attempting to manage uh, the risk and and to do what we're charged to do by the uh, uh, by the laws of the land, which is to safely reintegrate these individuals. They're coming back to society. They're coming back to your community. They're coming back to my community. We're we're in the we have the task of trying to make that uh, job uh, to make that reintegration happen as, uh, as safely as possible. And unfortunately, in too many cases, they not only come back to society and to our communities, they come back to you. So there's the interview. In uh, the interest of full disclosure, there was some editing on that. We shortened it down. 
But there's the interview with the Correctional Service Canada psychologist. So when I said that when they release, when the Correctional Service Canada and the Government of Canada releases a still dangerous pedophile into the community and that pedophile attacks another child, that the Correctional Service Canada and the Government of Canada are complicit in the attack on the child, the position of Correctional Service Canada through the psychologist is that it's rather extreme. My point of view is rather extreme. Really. Really. When we come back, Sheldon Kennedy joins me on The Roy Green Show. Survivor of hundreds of sexual assaults by the now paroled Graham James. When James coached and uh, Sheldon Kennedy played for the Swift Current Broncos. Sheldon is the co-founder of the Respect and Sport Group. Does tremendous work protecting the kids of this country. Tremendous work. Wait till you hear some of the statistics and what you need to know. Think about the interview we just aired. We'll come right back. Informative and entertaining. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Nobody works harder in Canada to protect our kids from uh, being victims of sexual assault by predators. Nobody works harder than Sheldon Kennedy. And uh, I, we talked a bit about Sheldon earlier. You know his story. We're going to talk more about what he's done and what he's doing. Um, but he joins me on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We're going to take, I have to take a break in about two minutes, but he's staying with us. Sheldon, thank you for taking the time. You and I talked off the air earlier today. And in the minute or so that we have before we take the break and then we come back, please tell us what the, uh, what the impact is on youth who are sexually assaulted as children, how that it affects them as they go through life. Well, thanks, Roy, for having me on. And I think that, uh, you know, what we've done is tried to paint the, you know, make the invisible visible through good data and connect the dots. And, you know, we do 125 uh, child abuse investigations uh, a month at the Sheldon Kennedy Child Advocacy Centre. Uh, 68% of those cases are sexual assaults. And uh, uh, the kids that are coming through our doors, uh, uh, 30% of them are presenting mental health issues, uh, self-harm, uh, suicidal ideation, sexualized behaviors, aggression, substance abuse. Uh, you know, kids that have been abused are 30% less likely to graduate from high school, 26 times more likely to experience youth homelessness. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. And I think that, you know, one of the, uh, you know, one of the, I guess, the uh, movements that we're trying to create uh, and the science supports this now, is to really understand the true impact of early childhood trauma, which is sexual abuse, physical abuse, etc. Because I think that, you know, if we look at our policies, we look at our healthcare systems, uh, you know, they've been built on not really understanding the true impact of this crime. And I think when we can clearly identify the impact of this crime, we can build our policies and protocols and infrastructure appropriately. Okay. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Sheldon Kennedy. We'll talk about what the what he does at the center and what, what Sheldon has learned. And we'll talk about also what it means when someone like Graham James is released again. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to be learned. And uh, our number, for those of you, if you have if you have an experience of having been sexually abused as a child and you want to talk about what happened to you, 888 I know it might be difficult, but if you choose to and you wish to, 888 We'll come right back. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, all along the Chorus Radio Network.
Sheldon Kennedy was a very promising young hockey player when he came under the tutelage of Graham James, the Swift Current Broncos. Graham James victimized sexually Sheldon Kennedy for years. And today, Sheldon Kennedy works so hard, so hard and with such dedication to provide help to Canadian kids and understanding for the rest of the country of what the truth is, of what actually happens and what the impact of sexual assault and sexual attacks on children is all about. The Sheldon Kennedy Child Advocacy Center. Just before the break, Sheldon told us 68% of youth assessed at the center struggle with one or more of these challenges. Mental health, 30%. Self-harm, 20%. Suicidal ideation or attempts, 31%. These are kids. Sexualized behaviors, 13%. Aggression, 14%. Substance abuse, 16%. Those are frightening numbers, Sheldon. And there's more than numbers. We're talking about lives, lots of lives here. Well, absolutely, Roy. And I think, you know, one of the, you know, with those with those numbers, we got to remember that uh, uh, the majority of the ages that we see are four, four to 12 years old and uh, that are coming through our doors and they're presenting those issues. When these kids become from between 12 and 17, those, uh, the mental health issues, the self-harm, the suicidal ideation goes up to 62% of these kids are presenting three or more of these issues. So, you know, if we look at the way we work in our, in our communities, we all, we've always worked and we've set, our, we've set our communities up to always deal with the outer layer of the issues or the presenting issues of what really happens to these kids uh, after they've been abused. And, you know, if we drill this stuff down, whether you're looking at, you know, this organization that deals with suicide or this organization that deals with addiction, you know, on a high, high percentage of cases, that's going to be drilled back to, you know, the early childhood trauma, which one of them is sexual abuse, uh, physical abuse, uh, and that's the impact of this crime, which I believe society and the lawmakers don't, understand yet because the science is new but i know that for us um when we see these kids yes it's sad that we have we deal 125 investigations a month in calgary uh which i don't believe the numbers would change in any other city um but we look at it as what a gift we have to turn these kids lives around early you know i uh may i use your story as a template to, to just talk about what the effects are and and, and just ask you about you and and uh, sure. we can we can we can work forward from there and I I was I was reading about your uh, your experiences when just for example this one we talk about kids coming forward when you rollerbladed across Canada and you'd raised that one million dollars you had people you'd never met spontaneously share with you they were the victims of sexual abuse 10 and sometimes 20 a day depending on where you stopped or they had the opportunity to talk to you 10 or 20 a day, spontaneously coming up and talk to you. I've had people call this program. I've had men call this program over the years. My show at, at previous times, particularly when I was at CHML in Hamilton, adult men with families and careers who suddenly break down when they think of what they endured. This is a lifelong challenge, and and it's one that we, we must, we must address. Um, when Graham James received the day parole, what were you thinking about that? Well, Roy, I, uh, you know, I mean, I, I understand that it's part of the process, which, you know, I, 
I think needs to change, but it is part of the process. And, and uh, but I guess where my thoughts went was, um, you know, the two places that we found Graham James, one in Spain after he got out of serving the time um, in, in my mine and another young person's uh, case, we found him in Spain coaching hockey again. And I'm sure he promised everybody, uh, the parole officers and everybody else, that when he got out, uh, he would not get involved with children again. And that's where we found him. And then when we look at the Holt and Flurry case, when he came up and he brought his two character witnesses up uh, from Mexico, who were two mothers who both had children, uh, young boys, and they talked about what a great person Graham was, how they taught school. He helped them with their school and he got them gifts. And I'm thinking to myself, like deja vu. So, you know, when I look at somebody like a Graham James, um, trying to get integrated back into society. I mean, you know, Graham has spent his whole life manipulating systems to get access to what he wants, which is young boys. And uh, I think in the parole, you know, some of the comments that I heard is that, uh, you know, uh, he's going to try. He's going to try not to do this. And and you, he can't change his desires. So if he can't change his desires, Roy, then I guess my question is, you know, um, why hang around the kids uh, if that's your desire? And if you really, truly don't want to do this again, why would you put yourself in that position? And, you know, two times in a row, uh, that's where we found him. He never expressed remorse for what he did to you. Well, I mean, you know, Graham James, I mean, I look at, you know, one of the comments in the Montreal Gazette about, you know, he thinks it's because of him that Todd Holt won the, won the uh, scoring race in, in Swift Current. And I think the reality is, is, you know, when we look at, you know, when kids are abused in a lot of cases and, and in a lot of these cases, there's, they're overachieving. They overachieve to cover up what's really going on. And, uh, you know, if they look at, if people look at the, the lives that Graham James, uh, each one of his victims, um, have gone through, you know, you look at the substance abuse, the suicidal thoughts, the, the, the wear and tear on the mental health system uh, in our country, the, you know, uh, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, you know, that, and we had, and if we look at it, Roy, like, you know, I know I look at my case in, in particular. I mean, I had the whole NHLPA system. I had top-end treatment centers. I had, I had this, like, the high, high-end um systems looking out for Sheldon Kennedy and and I had checks and balances that were some somewhat trying to keep me uh, in line so you could imagine you could imagine where these kids end up that are that have been sexually abused as bad or worse than 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 us um, where they end up well we know where they end up they're, they're filling our drop-in centers they're filling our mental health hospitals they're filling our prisons and uh, or they're dead and and that's the reality and, and, you know, if we look at the cases that we deal with, you know, out of these 125 cases, 97% of these kids know their abuser, right? It's not a stranger danger, what I heard when I grew up. And, you know, the scars that last a lifetime, which we hear, what I heard, and I'm sure many people heard, uh, we know what that is today. That's the developing brain that changes uh, because these young kids are living in sustained toxic stress environments because of the fear of when is this person going to get me again? Is, is this person going to be at my house, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and those numbers that, uh, that you cited to us from uh, the, your child advocacy center, 
68% of these young people uh, presenting with 30% mental health, self-harm, 20%, suicidal ideation and attempts, 31%, sexualized behavior, 13%, aggression, 14%, substance abuse, 16%. These are kids, and that is only, and their brains are being shaped, right? This is going to just follow them and grow throughout their lives if they don't get help, if they don't have, if they don't have help. Absolutely, and I think that, you know, that is where, you know, we, 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 science has given us the opportunity to create the imaging of these young, these brains of these, these kids, which gives us the opportunity to, you know, paint the picture. I mean, good data helps us paint the picture uh, of the invisible, and, and that's what we have here. And, you know, just, you know, kind of get, put it into perspective of, you know, we look at a city of, you know, a million one in Calgary, and, you know, we have 120 full-time people, and that all we do is child abuse investigations. Um, we have uh, 30 Calgary police investigators. We've got the R- two RCMP officers. We've got uh, 25 uh, Alberta health psych- uh, psychologists. We've got 30 social workers. We've got the Crown Prosecutor's Office. I mean, it's 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 finally we've got to the point where um, we're, we're looking at a, a, um, uh, a very uh, integra- a, 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 an organization like the, the, the Child Advocacy Centre. We're looking at it as a, as a real integrated practice model so that every case that comes in, uh, the City of Calgary, whether it's Alberta Children's Hospital, whether it's Calgary Police or whether it's Social Services, we discuss those cases as one uh, around the table because the reality is is the majority of these kids and families, they've had contact with every one of these organizations. But what people don't know is that these organizations don't even talk to each other. They don't even discuss these cases. And we look at these kids that get caught in the middle of the system, right? They get caught in the middle of the yeah. system. And to me... That is, that is where what we have to change. I believe when we start as a society understanding uh, the true impact of these crimes and shake, shaping our, our policies and our infrastructure around that, that's when we're going to see the change. Sheldon, I'm going to take a break, but I'm gonna, just before we do that, I just want to say this. I remember speaking with a man, uh, and I've had these conversations on the air. We've done these programs and, and, and tried to make an impact and try to and try to at least understand what's going on. I remember one caller saying all the time that he was trying to get help, he was trying to talk to people, after, even while he was being abused. And he tried going to his parents, and he tried going to the schools, and he tried to go to various groups, people just trying to talk to people to explain to them what was happening to him. And it was, he said it was so difficult, but he was trying. And he said, you know what, Roy? I was made to feel... Like I was the problem. Uh-huh. Well, <clears throat> that's quite normal. We hear that a lot. And uh, um, and I think that, you know, these issues carry fear. Right? Yeah. And, you know, our best defense, if we look at it as us as being a parent, to being a single parent, being a grandfather, grandmother, being a hockey coach, being a teacher, um, our best defense is knowledge. And you know what? And then when some when a child does tell, because you know what, they may not come out and tell that say says, "Hey, I'm being sexually abused." They may be telling you loud and clear by the cuts that they show up to school with on their arm, or by the way that they um, are acting out um, in in anger or uh, depression. Right. And you know, we need to understand that stuff so that we can act. Because Sheldon, you know what our kids are telling, we're not I'm- acting. I have to take a quick break here. We're going to come back and talk more to you. We'll talk about uh, your documentary, Swift Current, 
which is um, incredible. I spoke with Jared Schaefer, the mayor of Swift Current, about your documentary just a few weeks ago on this program. And uh, I think we have somebody who wants to also share a story. It's the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Sheldon Kennedy with me, and it's the Sheldon Kennedy Child Advocacy Center in Calgary that he's talking about. Stay with us. From hard news to pop culture, he's got you covered. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Hey, I hear the voice of a preacher from the bathroom. Call him my name and I follow just to find you. I trace the faith to a broken down. You can follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. Listen back to any segment and download if you wish. Uh, at RoyGreenshow.com on the web in the podcasts, including my conversation with uh, Sheldon Kennedy. The tweet to at the Roy Green Show reads, wanted to thank you for recommending CRSL pet shoes. Archie has stopped limping and he's feeling like a pup again. The tweet is from Brad. Just like you and I, our furry pals suffer from joint pain, but other than exhibiting clear physical signs, they can't tell us. Brad noticed his buddy Archie's difficulties and he turned to the all-natural, all-mineral CRSL pet shoes, which are just like the ones for their human counterparts, except there's some added flavor that your pet will really enjoy. Sierra Sil Pet Shoes will help your best four-legged friend, just as they've made Archie's life so much better. I had to take my little guy to an emergency clinic on Thursday. He was in serious pain nobody could really locate, but the guess is maybe joint-related, so sunny right away on Sierra Sil Pet Shoes, and I'll tell you, he's already behaving normally. Call one eight seven seven Roy ten twenty. That's one eight seven seven Roy ten twenty. Order Sierra Sil Joint Formula fourteen or Joint Formula Active for you, and pet shoes for your pal. Sierra Sil is also available at London Drugs, Rexall Pharmacies, and natural product retailers nationally. Way to go, Brad! And glad you're better, Archie. Let's get back to uh, our conversation with Sheldon Kennedy. So much to talk about, Sheldon. I, I did say that if somebody has a story, a personal story they wanted to share, that we would uh, we'd open the phone line for that. Chris is in Waterloo, Ontario. Chris? Hey, Roy. How are you? Good, sir. How are you? Listen to you uh, every weekend. Thank you. Uh, no, thank you. Um, but this one is, is, is kind of hit a, 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 hit a nerve with myself. I'm, I'm a survivor. Um, and what you said earlier about people not... Uh, People not listening. Um, I tried for for and it was the Catholic Catholic Church of of all things. Um, and I tried for for many years for people to listen to me, including my parents. And uh, it just it, it was not uh, was never heard. And I actually had to go to the the rectory uh, loaded with a a tape and and taped a, a confession for even the police to to listen to me. Sheldon? Pardon? Well, I'm, I'm asking Sheldon to go ahead and talk to you, too. Oh, well, uh, I, I appreciate, Chris. Uh, <clears throat> Sheldon, I would love to talk to you off, off, off air. I, I am so open, and, I, and, and uh, I'm not a mess. Uh, I've got my MBA. I've got a, a, a wife uh, that I've been with since she was 15. I was 17, twin daughters. Um, but it, 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 the panic I feel every morning, not due to the sexual nature of things, but due to the mental nature of things, um, is uh, it's pretty horrific sometimes. Well, I think Chris, just what you were talking about, I you know I I, uh, I can well obviously relate to uh, very strongly, and I think most uh, people that have been through uh, 
abuse, uh, sexual abuse in their life can can relate to that. And I think that's what we talk about. You know, when we know that we talk about the scars that last a lifetime, I mean, you know, that's what we're left with. That's the fear and the anxiety uh, that we're left with. And I think that, you know, you're not alone with those feelings. And, you know, and you're not alone with, you know, trying to tell somebody. I think we've come a long ways. Uh, I had to to be wired for the police to leave me. Because it was the Catholic Church. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think that we, we've come a long ways, but I think we've got a long ways to go. We do. And Absolutely. And and the, the uh, my wife and I talk about my our, our daughters who are, uh, are, are doing phenomenal in life. And I think as a parent, the, if you boil it right down to the, the nitty-gritty, if you can give your children a safe place, because the world will, 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 will crap on you all day long, but when they come home, they can be feel safe. Um, and, and I never have that had that safe spot. Um, and that's where the anxiety comes from is is always wondering when when the the when the floor is going to drop out. Okay, Chris, I'm sorry, we we have about a minute and a half here. So yeah. would you get in touch with me at uh, Roy at RoyGreenShow.com? I'd l- I'd like to communicate with you. That would be uh, that'd be great, Roy and Sheldon. If you could, uh, I've left a number with the uh, the screener. If you could give me a call, uh, I'm willing to help in any way I can. That'd be great, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless. All the best, uh, Sheldon. There's so much more to talk about, and let's let's schedule another conversation. But tell us, please, um, just about the, the the documentary in the minute we have left. Uh, Swift Current. It's not just. I mean, it's your story, but you found two others who are in the the film with you. Yeah, you're right, uh, Roy. There was two others. There's a young female uh, who was uh, um, um, molested by her father and uh, another young male, actually. They're both, I I ran into them at Durham College. I went there to speak for a day and they disclosed their stories. The whole point of the film, uh, Roy, is we found that most of these films that are around sexual abuse focused on the perpetrator and focus on the system that didn't protect and who gets lost and who is really misunderstood is the, is the victim. And I think that um, our whole point of making this film, it's a three-time Academy Award-winning filmmaker, Mark Jonathan Harris. Uh, we made this film and really focused to paint the picture and connect the dots about the impact on the victim and the struggles that they have uh, in their life, but also the film's very hopeful. Right. That, you know what? You can get your life back. There is a way... To, to get out of this, even though a lot of times people don't ever feel there is, and, and that's what takes them a lot of times to uh, ending their life. Let's you and I schedule another conversation and uh, include calls and, and talk more. There's so much more to cover, and, and we just literally run out of time. But thank you so much for the time today. The Sheldon Kennedy Child Advocacy Center, you're in Calgary. And Sheldon, I'll be in touch with you before, uh, before the week is out, or before the next Thanks, week Roy. is out. All the best. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so very much. We'll come back in just a minute. Stay with us.